cliffcentral.com. The Unview, the thin, the rich, and the fabulous on cliffcentral.com. Good morning. My name is Nathan Rowe, and you're listening to The Unview, the thin, the rich, and the fabulous. Of course, we are none of those things here. I'm all alone today uh, for a few reasons. Alan Ford is away, uh, but I'm sure my helicopter parents is going to phone in any moment and check up on me. Um, I'm also highly contagious. I, You know, we've been talking about the winter blues. Two weeks ago, I was throwing up throughout the show. A week before that, I had a horrible cold. I kept sniffing into the microphone. And today, yes, it's gotten worse. It's sunk down into my chest. In fact, my doctor said I have a rare... I'm guessing some kind of Russian sickness. He's calling it a Chestikov. I said, uh, doctor, is, uh, is a Chestikov bad? And he says, it could be worse. It could be a Kachukokov. So, I suppose, small mercies in that case. So, uh, today, I don't know if anyone knows this, the 29th of June is actually National Statistics Day. So, um, I found some statistics to kick your day off, even though it's only nine o'clock. Did you know that 20% of all office coffee mugs contain fecal matter? Which is why here at Cliff Central they go with paper cups. And and that, I think, is safer and definitely less chance of poop in your coffee. All right, let's go over to Alan Ford, find out where the heck he is. Good morning, Alan Ford. Good morning, Nathan Rowe. Uh, Am I coming through loud and clear? You are coming through loud and clear. Where are you? I have no idea. I didn't even ask you. Well, I've got to tell you something. I am um, I'm I'm having uh, two weeks of a, of a very interesting experience. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, it would be incredible. Um, obviously, there's, there's quite a bit of work in between it with clients and stuff. But it would be incredible to to try and one week do the very tip of South Africa and the very northern part of South Africa within a week, and basically that. Included a visit to the Cape and would include a visit to um, Purananga, uh, so actually more Limpopo province, right. um, as we tour South Africa on this uh, quest to touch both parts of our, our beautiful country. It's always um, best to touch both why parts. Why am I doing it is, is, <laughs> is the bigger question. Uh, but I tell you, I think it's because we take our beautiful country for granted and we don't realize that a lot of it is sitting, a lot of the magic within um, uh, in tourism, in things to do, in magnificent places and people, live within our own land. And I see and I hear all the time, Nathan, people saying, let's go off to London, let's go off to New York. And it is fabulous to do it. And I've been to, seriously, like over 100 countries. Yeah. But I think that we have an amazing country and we need to start seeing more of what we can do within this land. That's, that's it. <laughs> Basically, I'm in front of Okay, so you're in Franchuk now, but you're somewhere between, going to be somewhere between Franchuk and Limpopo in the next couple of days. That sounds fun. Basically. Right. Um, but also, it's just, uh, it's been, uh, yeah, the Cape is great. I love the Western Cape in, in winter. Uh, on a, for a couple it's of cold years. and Number wet. One, it's cold, it's romantic, it's, um, it's got, it's, it's, everything is, is reasonable. I mean, Cape Town in summer is expensive. The restaurants are expensive. Things are expensive. I'm so the restaurants actually drop, drop their prices in, in winter? Well, you, they, they do more specials. 
So you find oh. their winter menus and then they, you know, you do, you're not the top restaurants, but you find that a lot of other places, um, cafes, and they will say um, two for the price of one, um, that type of stuff. So you do find a lot of that and you find a lot of great food places doing that. Also, their yeah, leftovers the keep longer because it's much colder. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps. But it's not actually as cold as Johannesburg. Don't get that wrong. Right. Cape Town is nowhere near. But Durban is ideally the, the best climate in South Africa. Yeah. Um, it really is. Joburg, you've got beautiful days where you're up to 22 or 24 degrees, and then all of a sudden um, it drops down to minus 2. Cape Town, you sit at about 18 degrees and it drops to 10. But it rains and it's windy. <laughs> so <laughs> you get different. It's winter, man. You're not going to find... The, we know that it's, it's not the, the, the best time uh, to do uh, the, the beautiful summer holidays that we're used to because it's obviously not summer. Sure. But the coolest thing, boy, and the best thing is that you that um, accommodation is cheap, flights are cheap. Everyone is doing a festival to keep something going. Uh, sales are happening in shops. Um, and being in the little town of, of Franschhoek is really quite magnificent. Uh, we went, uh, uh, Braden and I went off to Foliage. It was absolutely divine. A great restaurant. What a phenomenal, in the t- uh, top five restaurants in South Africa. Um, on the um, uh, Eat Out Magazine Awards. So we went there. That was brilliant. Um, what did we went you to eat? The very, and I've been there before. What did I eat? Yeah. I had the most beautiful uh, pet. It's called Panga Fish. And um, uh, we had a quite an incredible starter, um, which was, which I not what the starter was, but it was very cool. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was there. I've got to tell you something interesting. Yes. I then, we had a, another gastronomical experience that I thought was a bit of a disaster because we went off to one of the most beautiful wine farms called uh, uh, De Graaf and it's, there's a famous place called Dallet at Graaf in Franschhoek. Mm-hmm. Nathan, have you ever heard of 400 Rand for a steak? No, I've never, I've never heard of that. And if I okay. did hear of it, I would be like, I'll just have, have the drink. Have you ever heard of soup? For what? What is it? Gold line yeah. steak? What? What do they do? No, no, no. Um, uh, oh, fish. I know. It's like woolly mammoth. Three hundred twenty-five rand for fish. For fish and a, a little bit of risotto rice. Sure. With fish piece. It was ridiculous, and this is where I think. And coming back to exploring South Africa, we've got to realize that there are. A lot of play. There are some places that really don't want to cater for. Oh, so yeah. we are. And that was interesting because I went to the, one of the most beautiful places, and I thought to myself, South Africans can't find this accessible. And and I'm sorry, but I've eaten at great places in New York City where they haven't charged four hundred rand a steak. Yeah. Although, um, although Switzerland um, is highly expensive. I remember being in Switzerland and ordering a fondue, which is basically melted cheese with little bits of bread you can dip it in. And that cost about a thousand rand in, you know, the, the translation okay, from okay, France. I, I, I hear you, but, but we're not in Switzerland. No, we're, we're not. not in Europe. We're in South Africa. Mm. And if a top 10 restaurant like Foliage can be uh, at least 30% less of that, I think it's a bit crazy. But then again, maybe they don't want us. I'm not saying they said that, but maybe they just don't. Oh, yes, I mean, Alan, you know, they're trying to keep out the rabble. That means South Africans are all rubbish and rabble and, 
No. Yeah. So that's that's again, one has to be careful of of where one goes. But coming back to the good points, travel is accessible. So your your flights are cheaper. So all the this week alone, everyone's all of airlines are running three percent special. Um, your your top hotels are at least half the price, if not even more. So the secret is that. If you're unable to have a phenomenal Cape experience or South African or even South African bush experience in summer because of the tourism and because of the high season, take advantage of restaurants, of beautiful hotels, of beautiful sites, and uh, uh, take advantage of it in winter. There's the secret. That's the secret. I'm so glad you so found a positive. And, and, and you do it differently. You know, you, instead of, you, know, you do it kind of differently. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sounds amazing. And are you driving or flying this lengthways of South Africa? No, I'm actually. So, so the thing is, that we had some. I'm in Cape Town for for this week, um, and then I come back tomorrow okay. to Johannesburg. I am very excited because uh, I've been involved uh, with um, Bright Rock, uh, the insurance company, uh, in the Jonathan Rocksmith uh, Nighted Musicals, yes. which is happening tomorrow night and I'm so excited to be going to that it's going to be absolutely superb I'm really glad you, you brought up Saturday. brought up Jonathan Rocksmith because we're going to be chatting to him in a little bit just as soon as I, I get you off the phone it's going to be a fantastic show it's a fantastic show that's number one number two Disney and I start wow. tomorrow yes and you know we're both so, Disney fans Disney freaks up Saturday Disney and I is on the card so we've got to do that yeah. Um, and it's happening at the Sunder, um, the old, uh, what do they call it now? It's the Coca-Cola Dome. The dome. It's the Ticket Pro that, Dome. Place, so then, yeah, well, I don't know what the, the, the new name for it is. And uh, so, so we cannot forget that uh, Disney and Ice, and I tell people this, and it's interesting, and I want to say this to you. Have you been to Disney and Ice? I've never. I've wanted to go for the last three years straight and haven't been able to. We're going to sort you out. Please. But here's the key. Here is the key. The key is this, that Disney on us, people go off to Disneyland to see all these fabulous things, and it costs a fortune again. Yes. We have a show that's going to cost you a couple of hundred grand, okay, <clears throat> for you. Like the kids even, I think, are cheaper. Depending where you sit, they promise you can get kids with 200 and something bucks. Um, and you can have a, a two- or three-hour Disney experience that you can get in Disneyland. Again, Coming back to things you can do in South Africa without having to go overseas. Right. So that's happening. This launches and goes throughout the country. So Disney Nice is in Johannesburg. It goes off to Durban and then comes to Cape Town. Um, and then, interestingly enough, I'm excited that uh, we have two great pantomimes. We've got Janice Honeyman that uh, always does the pantomime at the Civic Theatre at the end of the year, the Joburg Theatre. And now at the Lewis Theatre from Durban, we've got Puss in Boots, which yes. is um, Stephen Steed, and, uh, and they, not... they're all coming. And so, uh, so Sunday, you're going to see Puss in Boots. <laughs> I, I saw a, a version of Puss in Boots a while back, but I think it was at a, a teasers. It was a smaller production, though. Not as good. <laughs> um, but I'm really looking forward to this one, because I think it's closer to the, the movie. <laughs> all right. I know. But said to me, someone said to me, uh, can children go? It's a pantomime. These kids can definitely pick up. So that is the plan. I want to tell you, John, Johnny, uh, that we did um, we did 
Cape Point, which is divine mm-hmm. to see. I haven't been there since I was 12. And we then, Monday, head up in the car up to Cook's Corner, go to Pafuri Camp, which is the most northern part of South Africa, and that's where uh, they took down the, the, the transit, but they created the Transit Frontier Park, and that's the most northern tip of South Africa up at Cook's Corner. And that's, um, and that's what we'll be doing next week. So it's really a week of, of, of traveling the country, number one. Number two, of experiencing South Africa and saying, guys, there's a magical place that's happening here. Magical. Mm. And, um, and that's why I'm so this is what this trip's about. And it's great to do with people that you love and that uh, people that, uh, you know, and that's, that's why, why we're doing it. It's really cool. Brilliant. And, well, and celebrating South Africa. Yeah, well, thank you so much uh, for being an advocate speak, for speak. tourism. Uh, for tourism, I know I should be the Minister of Tourism <laughs> at this point. Um, but I'm happy you're holding forth, Mr. Nathan Rowe. And, of course, we are the unview, the thin, the rich, and the fabulous. And I want to just tell you that don't miss the magic of entertainment, great food, and what this country has to offer. And I've just told you lots of magical things that have happened. Final little point is we went to go and see um, the brilliant, brilliant Belinda David in The Greatest Love of All, the Whitney Houston Tribute Concert in Cape Town yesterday. Also, was super. We interviewed her last week, um, but you've got to see the show again. Whitney's not alive, but he's seen top, top, top performances across the board at that particular um, production happening in the Western Cape. It was in Durban, it was in Johannesburg two years ago. It's now in Cape Town, and then it goes off to London. That's an international production. Awesome. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, so it's, again, another big punch for South Africa because the lead, Melinda David, is from uh, Port Elizabeth and lives in Cape Town, which she travels the world with the show. So uh, it's an international production. So just again, tells you what is in this magical land of ours, and we don't always have to look at going abroad. All right. Thank you, Alan Ford. Thank you so much for uh, joining me and not leaving me all by myself and uh, for being here for much longer than you said you were going to be, just because we have to rush on to a whole bunch of interviews with exciting people. Not Alan, that you're not you've exciting. you got Joseph Clark, Jonathan Rocksmith. Be good and be, have fun. Thank you and so don't much. don't forget, always be the thin, the rich, and the fabulous. Will Cheers. do. Travel safe. Bye. That was Alan Ford joining us from Franschuk, uh, traveling the the country uh, for who knows what for, but he's a great advocate for it, I must say. He's traveling from the north to the south of South Africa, which sounds exciting. I've never done that personally. I have driven to Cape Town once, and I have to say the Karoo is a large, flat place, but there are apparently great places to view stars there. So if you're ever driving through, try to do it at night and have a little stop and a look. Um and uh, that's my little bit of advocate for today. I think it's time for another statistic. As I said earlier, it's the 29th of June, National Statistics Day. Here's one. On average, people eat 70 insects and 10 spiders in their lifetime. Another funny one I heard, and because I have a bad case of Chestikov, did you know that in Russia, beer was seen as a soft drink until 2011? Only in 2011, it was uh, declared an actual alcoholic drink. Uh, which I'm sure many of you were, you know, kind of under the impression anyway. I know a lot of people drink a whole bunch of soft drinks and go driving around the countryside. Don't do that. All right, so we're going to be chatting to the amazing Jonathan Rocksmith in just a moment. Um, He's busy putting on a show at the moment at the Teatro called The Musicals. Uh, Let's listen to what that's all about. The power of 
I never thought something like this would be possible whilst I was still alive. Gentlemen, Jonathan Rocksmith. Jonathan, are you there? Yes, how are you, Nathan? How are you, sir? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Are you doing well for 9.20 on a Thursday? <laughs> yeah, we got in from the final, uh, not the final, but the first orchestra rehearsal last night. And it was a it was an amazing, uh, you know, thing to hear everything come together for the first time. I mean, you know what it's like when you hear the, the band or... Well, the, the orchestra, orchestra yes. uh, when they first play that stuff, you know, there were quite a few tears last night from a, a surprising amount of people. It was uh, but a most, lovely But most surprise. of them from Brian Schimmel. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not even including him. I don't have the, I don't have the budget to mention him. <laughs> <many times. laughs> All right. All right, Jonathan Rocksmith, you are doing the musicals at the Teatro. Um, yes. So that's really exciting. I mean, I've seen the promo for it. I've seen – I really want to come see the show. I hope it's not sold out because I'm going to – Get some tickets this weekend. It actually is sold out. Damn you, Jonathan! Chair in for you. Ah, oh, damn! I hate that I have to buy tickets for your shows now a year in advance. <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> All right, Jonathan. Okay, so quick question. Let's let's get off the bat here. I saw you yeah. in 2006, I think it was, or 2007, Buddy Holly, and uh, oh my God. in at Barnyard. I know. And even yeah. then. Even then, people were like, oh my goodness, you have to hear Jonathan Rocksmith. He's from Durban. He's from Durban. I know. And, um, and I went No, up, no, I'm not from Durban. I don't know where that comes from. Oh, really? You're not an Natal boy? No, no. I'll tell you what's happened is because my high school, Northcliffe High School, used to do a musical at the Playhouse once a year, people assume that I'm based in Durban. Oh. Not at all. I'm a Joburg boy through and through. Okay, I think I know what happened there. I think people saw you in Durban at the Playhouse and went, oh yeah, my goodness, you. yeah. you're amazing, you're from Durban. Oh, well, that's even better. That gives me a little bit more relief. But then, then I saw you again as uh, one of my favorite Disney characters. I think it was, um, how do I spell his name again? His name Gaston. That's the one. Gaston in That's the one. 2008. Yeah. So that was the following year. And then something amazing happened. I saw you in Sweeney Todd. Now, from, from what Ooh, happened... That was, that was quite a number of years later. Yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I missed a yeah. few years of your career. I apologize. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what what gave you this kind of Beyonce status in South Africa? I mean, you have been proverbially <laughs> fondling audiences with your voice. 
uh, and people can't say your your name without kind of getting a semi. And I, I what 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 I want to always want to know is or getting what, my surname wrong. Oh yes, <laughs> or spelling it wrong. I'm sure. I'm sure you get Smith. Aren't you Rocksmith, the guy who did the PlayStation game? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask what what performance was it, or what happened to you that you went from like, oh no, you must hear this guy is great. He's from Durban. To oh my goodness, Jonathan Rocksmith, who's not actually from Durban. Um, where did that change happen? What performance was it? I think it was uh, the Phantom of the Opera. Okay. Um, there was a huge shift. I, I, I certainly felt a huge shift because before then, you know, my first major introduction to the industry was actually a handful of keys. Right. Because I was in the barnyard for many years, proudly. Um, but, you know, the barnyard audience is different to the fiercer audience, although that is changing um in a, in, a, in a big way at the moment. Yes. Uh, but back then, you know, it was 2007, 2008. I was, I was, nobody know, knew what I could do, who I was. And I did a handful of keys with Rudolf Kulain under the direction of Ian von Memmerty. And that, people went, okay, who's this new guy? Because, you know, a handful of keys is a special show in that you can't believe that two guys can do that. It's so well-written and, and well-structured mm. that... It, it, it's a fantastic platform, and I did a handful of keys, and I immediately did Beauty and the Beast straight after that. So between those two shows, I sort of burst onto the scene. Right. And you know the, the roles that I did in between Gaston and Phantom, you know, it was Cats, it was Grease, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. But the thing with Phantom was I wasn't originally cast as the Phantom; I was cast as Raoul. Okay. And, you know, as, hap- as what happens in show business, the original Phantom bowed out of the production and they, they bumped me up to see if I could do it. I was going to say, I hope there because wasn't I a was, fire was, involved. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was, uh, I, was, I was Raoul six times a week and then I, I was able to play the Phantom for the Massonets. Okay. So I was, you know, it was a really, you know, that's a, a lush contract to, to begin with. And because I'd already learned the role and I, you know, I had the costumes and the, and the masks for two shows a week already in rehearsal, I went on for the, the second preview, and I stayed the Phantom all the way through. And did you One ever... One of those, you know, those wh- dream stories that the understudy goes on and, you know, becomes the, the, the lead, it's that yeah. sort of thing. And I think because of the way Phantom is written and because of the way South African audiences in particular respond to Phantom, it was a complete change. Um, my life changed literally overnight because of that show, in the way people viewed me, in the way people um, suddenly went, oh, he can sing. Despite the fact that I'd spent up to that point like six years doing musicals and singing, but there's right. something about the role of the Phantom that people go, "Okay, this guy, okay, we'll, we'll follow him." It is a very I don't high think it's end me. I think part. It's the Phantom, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> maybe there's some kind of possession that happens um, in that whole thing. I mean, going from the understudy where you only did the matinees as the Phantom, did you ever change the lyrics to "I compose the music of the late afternoon"? Or was that never? <laughs> no, it was. You know, I, I was told. You know, that the matinees are um, notoriously difficult to do because you know, Phantom is, is quite high, and to sing that in the afternoon right. is is tricky. But I, I still, I didn't care. Um, but again, the the audiences um, across the board for Phantom um, came with a huge expectation, right? Because it's Phantom, mm. and if you can you know, meet that expectation or if you're, you know, if you, if you really work hard enough, exceed that expectation, um, that stays with people because Phantom is such a spectacular show and to play that role in that show, you know, I don't think it gets better than that for anybody. Right. Okay. 
I have a, another question about um, the show I saw many years after that, apparently. Um, Sweeney Todd, Ben Barker. Yes. Okay, now this is where I think you got noticed by a whole group of different um, audiences. And and one thing that stuck out for me is is I almost saw you in like a Heat magazine type setting where you were like there was celebrity gossip about you, and uh, I know you had really cracked it in the big time when like um, you know Desperate Housewives were talking about you, and that was because you sh- <laughs> you shaved your head for the role, and yeah. there was there was all this controversy. Yeah. And it was like oh, he shaved his head, my goodness, and then I and then I couldn't really understand that. But um, did that... I got hate mail because I shaved my head. Do you know that? I got hate mail. Now, is this from theatre purists or is this from people who just liked your hair? Um, I I don't know. Maybe a a bit of both. But they were were absolutely outraged. And the thing that they kept saying is, well... You, you didn't have to disfigure yourself a phantom. Why did you have to shave your head for Sweeney? Which, uh, which I thought was one of the best quotes of 2015. Yes, that's but amazing. It, 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 it actually, it was necessary to change. Because what happens when you shave your head is you, can, you become completely unrecognizable. Yes. You know, At least you don't shave your eyebrows. The, yeah, exactly. Uh, you suddenly have this blank space. And what was great about that is it was, because it was a role that people weren't necessarily expecting me to play, um, it was a look that people didn't expect at all either. So it, it did help. And it was it was cool because, you know, Sweeney is older than what I am. So what shaving your head does is it neutralizes your entire look. Mm. So you can ostensibly be in your 40s if you want to be, if you, have, if you add a beard to it and some makeup. Right. So that was, that was really cool. But what I didn't expect was people like, oh, a bald head's so sexy. I didn't expect that. Wow. Okay. That was, I was just like, mm, okay. Um, so did you have a lot of people chat, oh, chatting you? Statham. I was like, are you blind? <laughs> Jason Statham. All right, then. Well, well maybe yeah, you'll be I mean, cast in a, in a British uh, gangster film where you chase cars. No, totally. um, okay, yeah. so so you had your little... You, you, I mean, you've had kind of fame in the theatre world. I mean, you've won, what is it, seven Fleur de Cups now, six in the ladies. I don't know if those numbers are up to date. Because we just had them, so you probably I don't, I don't talk about those a, things. A bunch more, I know, but you do carry around a large <laughs> sack of awards with you. Yeah, um, they're on a necklace that I wear for opening. <laughs> sure, that is a heavy thing to to lug around. No, not at all. All right, now, now I'm all. I'm sure you're familiar with the quote: um, "Shallow people discuss people, uh, mediocre minds discuss events, and great minds discuss ideas." And now, moving from right. this kind of Heat magazine, he sh- I can't believe he shaved his head. I kind of want to know what's going on in your head because I'm sure a lot of people just assume you spend all day learning musical numbers and and thinking about music and 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 theater. What else goes on your uh, gone, goes on in your mind? Look, it, it, that's not necessarily far from the truth, depending on the show I'm doing. Um, yeah. I, you know, because theater is a freelance industry, most of the time you you kind of do have to be thinking about the next big thing all the time in order to stay on top of things. I mean, I'm sure you know with Swing City, you you never really get to appreciate the moment, really. You know, you you guys dropped that magnificent album, but you already have to be thinking about the next one. Right. You know, but, that's how you, you stay on top of your game and you keep your, 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 your skills sharp and constantly reinventing the brand to keep up with things because times change so quickly these days. Um, you have to keep on top of that. Otherwise, you will become old news like that. Hmm. So... I do spend a lot of time thinking about the theater. I do spend a lot of time thinking about musicals and learning them because I, I hate being unprepared. 
I absolutely hate that, and I get very impatient right. if I'm not prepared. So I, I have to I have to do that. But I do find you know as I'm getting older now, you know I'm not I'm not the, the 20 year old guy from a handful of keys anymore. I, you know I just turned 30, so I'm going into the next phase. Wow. And I can't I can't necessarily keep up the way I used to when I was fresh out of high school. You know I've, I'm finding. I do need a bit more downtime. I do need a bit more time where I can just stay at home. And but I you don't can play on a plane to do this and that. You can play Sweeney Todd now without shaving your head because you, you're much <laughs> older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give, give me five years. More <laughs> forward to watch. Right. But yeah, it is. It is important. It's, but, for me, it's, it's becoming more and more apparent that I need a real life outside of the theatre. Otherwise, if you just live just for the theatre and you go home to just the theatre it can become all-consuming and you lose perspective. And to be a good performer, you do need to understand human beings. You do need to understand how normal people live in order to reproduce them on stage. Right. So it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a tightrope act all the time to get that balance right. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But you know, doing something like this, the musicals, is, is really, really cool because at the same time, I'm rehearsing for Irma Vep which is a play we're opening at the Monte Cassino Theatre next week, Wednesday. Wow. And to straddle those two worlds has been fascinating because the musicals is in my blood. You know, I know those words, that's fine. <laughs> but Irma Vip is the challenge because there, it's a two-hander, it's a comedy. You have to make sure the audience laughs every single minute of the play and we are doing our best. And I think it'll do if you see the pictures from the production shots. <laughs> it's, it's important to be able to, to be versatile enough to get those two worlds correct. Otherwise, you become boring and predictable. And as you know, the number one enemy in our business is predictability. Correct. And it must be uh, really hard if you're a method actor juggling two roles like that as well. <laughs> you've almost got a split Luckily, personality. I'm not, I'm not a method actor. If yeah. I was a method actor, you know, to prepare for Irma Vep, I'd play um, Jane Twisden, who's a maid. Yeah. <laughs> well, Basically, O'Brien from Downton Abbey. Well, I need, I need someone, man. actually. Um, every Friday. <laughs> well, well so. maybe, yeah, I can do that for character study. Great. But um, no, I'm not method at all. I just have a lot of fun with it. You know, Wesley Swain Lauder, who's directing me in the musicals, is my co-star in Irma Vep. Oh, wow. So it's all very incestuous at the moment, but it's, it's really cool. And when does Irma Vep uh, start? We start next week, Wednesday. And, um, and I mean, considering the concerts are, are, are sold out now, um, bookings for Irma Vep are open. So, um, so if you really want to make it up to us, <laughs> Got you. Yeah, it's, uh, but it is available at CompuTicket, and it's at the Peter Turin Monte Cassino Theatre okay. downstairs in the main theatre. Brilliant. And it's 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 really you know if people like to laugh. You know, we just had the play that goes wrong at Monte Cassino, and people showed us how much they like to laugh. You know, the play that goes wrong sold out because people like good comedy. They also and, like some people crazy fail. Comedy. Sorry. They also like watching people <laughs> fail. So the. Uh... The name of that play um, kind of uh, gives it away. Now, a lot of people don't. A long, a lot, a lot of people don't know this about um, Jonathan Rocksmith. Um, I'm going to play a song um, from his childhood, um, and I'll tell you why it fits in with his childhood in just a minute. Well, that was an awkward song. Uh, the reason it ties in with his childhood is he actually did not 
live in Natal, as many people uh, believe. He actually grew up in Michalisburg on a farm, and he had two geese called Inky and Ponky, who once chased away homebreakers, which is exciting. He has protective geese. Do not mess with this man. All right. So now we, um, we're going to get our next uh, guest on the line. His name is Joseph Clark. And uh, I, um, I had the privilege of working with this guy um, over the last couple of weeks. We, uh, we did a show called Classics is Groot, which means um, Classics is Big. And um, it's, it's absolutely a, an amazing show. I mean, it also had a symphony orchestra, as I was talking to Jonathan about. There's nothing better than singing with a symphony orchestra. This guy has done it all over the world. And uh, I'm going to play you one of his songs, um, and then we're going to get him on the line and have a chat to him. This is Joseph Clark singing We Are the Champions. I've paid my dues Time after time I've done my sentence I committed no crime And bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my share of sand kicked in my face But I Good morning, Joseph Clark. <laughs> Nathan, how are you, man? I'm very well, thank you. Do you usually get up this early, or are you one of those up at the crack of noon kind of guys? No, I'm, I've am i I've been up for, oh gosh, um, since about 7.30, 7, 7.30. Damn you, you're not a true musician. <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> Welcome to the show, Joe. It's really great to have you on. We just spoke to Jonathan Rocksmith, and I noticed I noticed some similarities in your guys' um, CVs. I mean, you've both done West Side Story, Sweeney Todd, Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat, Buddy Holly. Uh, you've both done very similar things. Is that because there's only a handful of plays, or is there a route to success? <laughs> wow, that's a difficult one. Um I I I think oh gosh I think it's a little bit of both actually yeah it's 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 great to be um, uh, to to have you know to to be uh, chosen I guess to to do those roles and stuff um, yeah and and when they come along it's it's fantastic because a, a lot of those shows are not you know the kind of common shows that. Um, that that are you know on in the on the musical theater scene so it's yeah it's 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 great to it's so it's both yeah i i guess i would have to say it's both awesome okay so there are some strategic uh, shows you can do if you want to help your career um joe yeah definitely yeah so i got to know you a little bit over the last week or so and uh, i was mm. very interested to find out that you're not you're not in fact canadian as my friend graham watkins said you're actually from <laughs> 
You're from root. You're from the song Route 66. You're from um, what? Amarillo, Texas. Right? Amarillo. That's right. That is cool. And is it on Route 66, as they say? It is on. It is indeed on Route 66. Okay. Yeah. Well done. All right. Yeah. So now you were a, a ballerina actually in Texas, right? <laughs> Not a ballerina, but yes, I was a ballet dancer. Is that what they the call male States. male ballerinas? I th- I thought. Uh, I don't know. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Ballerino, I guess. I don't know. Ballerino? Maybe that sounds so more cool. More than male. That sounds no. like, that's <laughs> something to do with a red cape and a bull. I'm a ballerino. Yes, it's, well, that's true. Yes, yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, I, I think ballerina is just for the females. I, I guess male dancers are just called male dancers. Oh, okay. So you, you were a male dancer okay. in Texas, right? And then you came to South yes. Africa in 83, yeah. hey, with uh, Swan Lake. That's what you told me. That's right. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so now apparently singing was your number two, right? It was your 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 kind of like I'm I'm a dancer, I'm a male dancer, I'm not a ballerina. I, no, no, no. My singing singing was like number three. Dancing was number two. Uh, uh, my my number one thing was just to be an actor. That's that's oh, wow. what I've always wanted to be since I was a little kid. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so acting then yeah, dancing, just, then singing. Yeah, acting was my was my kind of that was my main focus, and because I could sing. Then early on in my career in the States, um, uh, I, was, I was often kind of um, pushed towards musical theater because as an actor, I could sing. So that was like a good medium for me for, for live theater. And then when I started doing musical theater, I realized that, you know, in order to really make it, uh, you know, to, to really make it kind of to the top or, or to better roles or to more interesting roles, I would have to have some kind of a dance career as well, uh, right. you know, a dance training. So that's when I started dance training, and it was it was only it was only uh, when I saw like my first ballet. I think the first ballet I saw was The Nutcracker, uh, which is kind of you know it's, it tells a story. And as an actor, I was extremely interested in the fact that you could tell a story through movement and not have to say anything. Right. So to me, it was kind of the the purest form of acting. So I think that's why I really got seriously into dance was because I thought, wow, as an actor, that is the ultimate, you know, to be able to get on stage and tell a story and not have to say a word. And everybody understands. I mean, everybody understands one leg from China to South America to, uh, you know, if you if you were an Eskimo, you could probably understand the, the Swan Lake if it played to you. So basically so, ballet uh, is extreme me, mime. Sorry? Uh, basically ballet is extreme mime. It's like the most yeah, purest I guess, form. I, yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess you, I guess, I guess. Oh, sorry, we seem to have lost Joe there. Um, we'll try to get him back on the line now. Now, uh, I, I wanted, I really wanted to ask Joe about... Um, you know, being a dancer in Texas, because, you know, Texas is kind of a very, um, it's a very kind of, I don't know, maybe this is just my opinion watching too many cowboy movies, but, you know, Texas has got this, well, I don't know, you got to play football, and uh, if you're a dancer, then you're you're a girly man, you know, so I kind of wanted to ask him a little bit about that, but I do know um, some interesting facts about uh, Joe that I gleaned off over the last um, couple of uh, couple of weeks. I, know, I found out that um, he sings all his uh, songs in the original key. And I think we have him back. Do we have him back? Joe, are you yes, there? Yes, I think. Oh, Hello. sorry. Sorry, man. We lost you a little bit on the line. Um, uh, well, you know. I wanted to ask you. Yeah, I was just telling telling the, the listeners at home. I was, uh, I, was, I was wondering about growing up in Texas being quite a, 
you know, we're we're all cattle farmers and and football players and uh, and and I, I don't know if, if dancing is really high on their priority list. Like, was it was it was it an interesting time? Because it was also in the eighties. I mean, was it kind of did you kick up against anything? Um, people who were like anti that sort of lifestyle. Um, you know, I never really, I never really had that much problem with it, but it's only because I started very late. Okay. Uh, and you're right, Texas, Texas is is so like South Africa. It's it's completely sports oriented. You know, you played baseball, I, and I did all of that. I played baseball, American football. I even played a little bit of basketball, track and field. You know, it was sports was the big thing, especially baseball. Baseball was the big thing. Wow. So. Um, and, and so I suppose if I had started as a young kid, there probably would have been some kind of, you know, uh, stigma placed to it. Not, not the not not the stigma that that people mostly now. But you know, just like piano playing, you know, kids making fun. Oh, you're about, you know, you're taking ballet, this and that. Yeah. But I only started I, I started um, ballet training w- when I was almost 18 years old. Wow. So I was I was kind of. You know, I was kind of established, and I remember at that time, um, my last year in high school, I was on the uh, high school wrestling team, and I remember my um, my wrestling coach, who was hectic, man, he was a hectic guy, he was like, oh, man, I mean, like, homophobic, like you can't believe, and he came up to me one day, um, I think when we graduated, and he said, he came up and he said, because he knew I was, you know, he knew I was taking dance training, he said, are you going to, you know, are you taking you're going to take this dancing thing further. And I said, yeah, I think I will. I think I'm going to, I'm moving to New York and stuff. And he said to me, Coach Carl was his name, and he said, I could, I'll never forget it. He said, well, I think that's a good thing. And he says, and, and, and all success to you. So I think because I was older, they realized that it was a decision and not something that my parents put me through or, do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was kind of a, a, a mature decision. And they just accepted it, yeah. So uh, I guess I was—I kind of had it easy in that regard. Also, if you've ever seen a ballet dancer's legs, you'll know that uh, a wrestler's got nothing on a ballet dancer's legs. I mean, you—you you can put True. someone in some kind of chokehold with your thigh and then break their necks just straight <laughs> off, snap it like a toothpick. I'm sure that's what that's he was right, actually boy. thinking. He was thinking, "Damn, that's good, son. You go do that ballet training, and then you come back here and you break people's necks with them legs." <laughs> So. With them legs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and and then I also found out you uh, used to be in a barbershop quartet, which is exciting. Did you ever sing this song, perchance? The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart, deep in of the Texas. heart of Texas. The yeah, of course, sang that many times, oh, and I did sing it with a barbershop quartet. Really? So I was bang on yes. with that one. That was a complete guess. Wow, there were so many, so Man, many options I could have gone are, for. I don't know. You're psychic, I think. I was like, okay, Barbershop Quartet, Texas. They must have done this song. Did it? Do you do you ever miss the Sage and Bloom? <laughs> Apparently, like I do, actually. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you've been in South Africa a long time. You're basically a South African, right? I mean, basically, you, I've, I've lived. I've lived longer in South Africa now than I lived in the United States. So yeah, and, and I'm in, do you I'm ever do you ever get to go home and see family and things like that? Yeah, I go. We go. Um, I take the family, but uh, I mean, our kids are all grown now. But Elvet and I try and go. Ooh, you know, like every every four years. But also, a lot of it depends on the on the exchange rate and stuff. Or whether Jacob Jacob Zuma said a speech that week or not. 
because I'm, you know, that affects the <laughs> yeah, rat to die. True. <laughs> Thanks to him, I had to cancel. Yeah, but luck- luckily it's for true, you, yeah, literally, you have- I was, I was, uh, I was planning on going, and and thanks to that, I, I cancelled it. You know. But ho- hopefully, maybe next week, Trump will say something stupid, and then you can get your tickets again. Definitely. So it's kind of great that we have such stupid presidents because you know you just wait for a speech and then you know book your flights. It's great. Definitely, yeah, it's great actually. Okay. If, in, in hindsight, I guess if you look at it that way, yeah. <laughs> See, there's always a, a silver lining. All right, Joe, quickly, just one yeah. last thing. I, I was chatting to Jonathan. Um, I got cut off from him earlier as well um, about ideas, right? I said to him that uh, mm-hmm. you know, shallow minds discuss people, average minds discuss events, and great minds discuss ideas. And we, we shared a few ideas uh, over the last week. And like, I don't know, can you maybe mm. share something with our listeners, something maybe you've been thinking about? I mean, you were talking about global consciousness and, and really amazing uh, concepts. Um, have you got any, uh, any winners for us today? Oh, man, it's too early. I I'm, know, right? I'm still, I still have to have breakfast, my hey, friend. You're lucky, so Alan. Maybe that's an idea. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> lucky Alan Ford's not here because he would have made you sing. Breakfast is the most important part of the, deal and, uh, uh, part of the day and that you have to have breakfast. But I think that's been said. Uh, I think... Um, I th- uh, yeah, I, I, I think that my, I, I concentrate a lot on just in my personal life, but also in the, like what we were talking about, the kind of mankind, humanitarian consciousness is about fear. And I think that we're, we kind of go through cycles of it. But I think at this point in, in our history, in our time, fear is playing a big, big role in what's happening, you know, all over the world. Um, yeah, definitely. That's why yeah, terror, so terrorism I, is so successful, yeah, actually. Yeah, and I, and I think and it spreads. You see, it's it's it spreads. It kind of starts in one place, but because of our because of the global um, communication that you know anybody anywhere now can get information, can f- find out what's you know if you're in the in the jungle in Indonesia, and you have a cell phone or something, you can see what's happening in the Middle East or what's happening in South America and Venezuela or something, and that that kind of that that when if that sparks a sort of you know like a fearful kind of um reaction then it just grows in that area then then the kind of envelops the whole you know kind of grows and and like a like a cancer like a virus yeah. it kind of goes everywhere and i think that we just need to be maybe conscious of that you know it's yeah. not it's not as if one individual is going to do anything but i think if you're conscious of it if you're if you're conscious of the fact that okay uh, that's that's a fearful thing that's making me fearful so i'm not going to be I, right. i'm not going to be afraid of that then the, then the mindset starts to change and then you start to reverse those that trend i think that is really beautiful and inspiring i'm sure everyone should actually take that and and put it inside them and use that cuz i mean i i see that all the time and it, it, in small um, you know, small doses as well. People who are starting their own companies, um, going on their own. People who are just changing career paths, things like that. I mean, people are filled with fear, and there's this fear of kind of losing your yep. house, losing your, you know, loved ones, things like this. And uh, we really need to just be more confident in uh, life and enjoy it while while it's kind of playing out. I love that. Thank you. It's exactly yeah. It's exactly right. You, well, you know, uh, uh, there's there's a great example because I know that. Um, that uh, you guys do, um, you and Grandma Luisa do a lot of corporate entertainment, and so yeah. do I. 
And you can always tell immediately, immediately when you go out on stage to do your first song. You can always tell immediately whether that company is, a, is, is, in, a, is in a happy state or in a fearful state. Right. Immediately. You can hear the reactions. You can feel it. Even before you, the first song is finished and they applaud, you can just feel that, that kind of energy. And wow. you know, okay, this company's in trouble, or you go, this company is a great company. These people really love working with this company. And it's, that's just a small kind of example of what, you know. That's a I great idea. We, sh- we should actually hire ourselves out as surveyors of companies to give them it's a little, true. A little breakdown. It's true. They should actually, yeah, they should pay you the corporate fee, but then they should pay you an extra fee for you to, at the end of the uh, of show, going to the CEO and say, you've got problems here, my friend. Oh, amazing. Well, <laughs> Joseph, it's so yeah. it's so great chatting to you, and like I've said to you before, I, I just wanted to be friends with you. And um, for those of you who don't know, Joseph, I mean, I'm sure they've seen because you've been on billboards all over South Africa. Um, did a show um, doing Queen, right? You're doing Queen covers mm. all in the original key, absolutely mind blowing. People were saying you are Freddie Mercury reincarnated, even though I think he died after you were born. But uh, um, but but you also <laughs> recently did a show of Elton John. Um, like a tribute show to Elton John. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we, I was going to do it. It was unfortunately, we had to postpone it. But uh-huh. I have done, uh, um, I, it was going to be based on a show that I did many years ago. Also with a, with a, a guy named Luciano Zuppa, who yes. was originally doing, who originally did that show with me. And we were going to do like a 20 year um, anniversary kind of going but um, yeah, I've, I've um, uh, Elton John is also one of those kind of artists that has kind of stood uh, more than stood the test of time. His yeah. his music has kind of you know universal. It's still popular today as it was when it first came out. And you change and, your you voice. You know, he's just a beautiful composer. Yeah. Do you change your voice to do Elton John, um, or do you sing it as Joseph Clark? Um, how does that work? Because everyone says you sound very much like Freddie Mercury when you sing. Um, and obviously Elton John has a very different tone to his voice. How do you do mm. that? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Sorry, so, I interrupted you. Oh, no, no. I was just saying, how do, how do you do that? Do you change, do you, do you do the, at the club at the end of the street? Or do you, uh, <laughs> you just sing it as Joseph Clark? <laughs> I really, I really kind of sing that as Joseph Clark, and, and I think that a lot of people don't realize that um, w- when I sing Queen's music, I'm not trying to sound like Freddie. It just just so happens that we have the kind of uh, the kind of same kind of timber in our voice, yeah. in our voices. Obviously, I approach the music like like Freddie did because Freddie was an incredibly physical singer. Yeah. Yeah, he sang from every fiber in his body, from his toes to his hair, you know. And uh, and it, I I just found, as well, the actor in me as a singer, just found that in order to do that music justice, in order to to actually just do it because it's it's hard, is to approach it the same way he did. So a, a lot of people, you know, they see the similarities not only um, vocally but they also see it physically, because I have to sing that that music physically like he did. Yeah. Uh, so Elton John, yeah, is is a completely different story. I sing it just like me. You know, we we obviously w- when you when you do a tribute show, you obviously try to do it, you know, as uh, you know, as 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 close, to, you know, to the to the uh, feeling of the of the music as the original artist did. You know, because yeah. people going to see it, they they want to hear what they they have he- heard on their records or their CDs or whatever. So you you try and be as you know, as as close as possible, 
in, in terms of maybe arrangement, in terms of, of, uh, of that. But you don't really, uh, I don't really go out of my way to impersonate anybody whose music I sing. I just sing as me. And I think that's actually more important because what you said now is very interesting about mood, is that you try and try and get the mood of the singer more than the actual tone of the singer, and that actually translates exactly. to people on a more transcendent level, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good job, Joe. Keep going, going at it, and uh, I hope to sing with you again really soon. And uh, yeah, let's Definitely. hope uh, Classics of Script gets us all back again next year, and we can do it all over again. Yeah. But before that, definitely before that. Oh, yeah, definitely before that. Awesome. Thank you so much, dude. Go eat some breakfast. And, uh, yeah, keep, I will. keep spreading that love that you sprinkle around on everyone. Okay. Uh, Nathan, thanks so much, man. And, and I just want to say to, to your audience that this guy, wow, this guy is a talented, talented, talented man. Thank you. I'd like you to tell that to uh, Shelley Pembroke in particular, who tweeted me earlier saying this is awkward for everybody. Uh, I hope she's having a wonderful day. Um, okay, unfortunately, we don't have time to speak to our last guest. Our last guest was the director of Classics is Crit. We will maybe get him in at a later stage. He's really busy doing any boss, and he's about to hit uh, Afrikaans is Crit as well. So maybe we'll get him closer and some of the artists from Afrikaans is Crit on there. Um, all right, so I'm going to play out with a, um, a, little, uh, a little number. I have some facts for you today about today. Did you know today in 1949, mixed marriages in South Africa were banned, which was the beginning of apartheid? In 1888, which is 129 years ago, classical music was first recorded, first recorded on a wax cylinder. I bet you didn't know that. I bet you didn't even know they could record on wax. I mean, that's like just spinning a candle on a drill and listening to music. That's basically how they did it. This was the song that they uh, recorded. Handles Israel and Egypt But It didn't sound like this obviously If you want to hear the difference between a wax recording And a, a Beautiful digital recording which that was Here's the wax version Yeah Kind of sounds like creepy ghosts While you're scrubbing your floor Anyway that's all I have for you today From uh, Nathan Rowe Also, Oh ooh, one more fact In 1613 404 years ago today Shakespeare's Globe Theatre burnt down And that is the reason Why I don't think they allow smoking In theatres anymore Sure A 404 year old rule Anyway Ladies and gentlemen Have a beautiful day This is The Unview With me Nathan Rowe The thin The rich and the fabulous Next up Ben Cliffcentral.com